0: did it. You did what? I did it. It? You... I, finished my, I finished my book.
1: You finished your book? Which one is this? Which book is this that you finished?
0: This is the book for Pauline Press. The title is probably going to change, but it's essentially the, the initial title I have in my head is Participating in the Life of Christ, you know, and displaying the sacramental vision of the Christian life. Ah, and uh, I will Why be don't honest. you, I
1: got, I've got some okay. uh, ideas for you, okay? And okay. it's your book, but it's like, what about just clerically speaking, colon, the book? Because that's what it sounds like if you're talking about sacramental vision.
0: And then it could be clerically speaking, colon, the movie.
1: Ooh, yes. And then we All could right? have merchandise. Oh, wait a second. Oh, wait. Oh, wait a second. We... Hey, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally derailing your intro, but we've got no, merch, that's... guys. We've got a merch store
0: now. I especially love the off-centered T-shirt.
1: Yeah. Apparently, that was an error uh, in the formatting, <laughs> but I think uh, producer Nick and Bruce O'Reilly decided to keep it, so you
0: can buy an off-centered <laughs> I'm gonna shirt. I'm going to be amazed if anybody actually buys that shirt. Uh, they will. Uh, I bet it, they it was, will. It was, it was amazing, but yes. Um, yeah, so I, and I did a lot of writing on Monday um, because I need the pressure of a deadline to actually really get things going. Mm-hmm. So, but if, you know, I was texting with some friends and our, our friend Jonathan last, he he texted, he goes, just drink in this moment. Cause I had just finished, right? He goes, drink it in. It's like, it's like an, ex- it's an experience of ecstasy that will only happen once in your life mm-hmm. when you finish your, the first draft of your first book. Yeah. And he was totally right. I was sitting on the deck drinking a beer and it, I felt euphoric. <laughs> it was a total high in the good sense right in the good although it was really funny I, i've i never smoked in my life i had a sudden craving for a cigarette
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it sounds like it was a good feeling that's great <laughs> it was a
0: really great feeling i was like wow this is amazing and i did drink it in and it was really because i had worked really hard all day to get all the typing done and get the last bits of my chapters done and everything and get the conclusion done and it it was and i learned a lot in this experience like i've learned how how to write better in the future that I need to write down notes by hand a lot, because mm. that that focuses me. Because I like, I don't know if, about you, but if, when I'm typing a word document, I so often feel lost and not knowing where to go and where to begin. But when I actually put like pen to paper, it's just like it's more concrete, right? Right. And so it just focuses me a lot more. And I really and I discover that towards the end, unfortunately. Uh, but for the next book with Vatican II, I think I can, I can uh, actually. Um, I can implement that more so now it goes to the editors and then i i look forward to being shredded by the sisters yes because we all know that this is what sisters do well they judge the priests
1: exactly it is part of their charism
0: this is their charism and i'm looking forward to being judged by them Mm -hmm. so yeah it was i'm actually actually it's sitting right here on my desk it's there we go this this big boy yep and it's done and it feels amazing. Yeah, that's super cool. Uh,
1: I'm excited to eventually read it.
0: I'm excited to. Well, we'll obviously talk about it when it when the uh, it's supposed to come out later in this year. I, that might change, obviously, but that's when it's supposed to come out. So yeah. Um, so you guys will hear more about it when when the time comes. But now that it's done, I can now focus on leaving my parish. So. Oh right, yeah, because you, right? you got announced new. Assignment. Yeah, we announced a couple of weeks ago that I'm leaving and so you know the eh, this is the funny thing. I don't I, cause have you you've moved is this your only parish you've been in? No, I was moved? at I was in a different parish uh, for right. two years and
1: now I've been almost here for two years now.
0: So I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but mm. like I, I discovered this after my first move. Once you've once it's announced you're being moved, that's when all the people who for the last couple of years have said, Oh, we're gonna have you over for dinner one day. Mm-hmm that's when all the invitations finally come <laughs> well yeah it's the last chance <laughs> it's the last chance and it's like and I learned this through my time at the cathedral that you do your best but it's okay to say no mm-hmm you can't see everyone before you leave in that last month. It's actually right. literally impossible. So, uh, but yeah, suddenly my secretary is getting calls saying, Oh, yeah, uh, can we have, fun? and I used to say, You know, they've been saying this for the last two years. <laughs> <It's Yeah>. like, <laughs> and now they want to have me over for dinner. Um, so, but I mean, it's it's nice. It's good that they want to say bye and everything like that. Right, right? absolutely. And, 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 and stuff. So, but uh, yeah. So, welcome to, yeah, that's what's going on in my life. It's been interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been fun. But, uh, and I'm glad that the writing's over because it, it's very, I was, brain dead on tuesday (laughs) literally brain dead i couldn't function right yeah but yeah so welcome to clerically speaking i'm father harrison i'm father anthony and father harrison i
1: got to do one of the coolest things that i've ever gotten to do as a priest Mm -hmm. and it was something that i would you know i had hoped to do one day but didn't think would happen for years and years and years but Mm -hmm. it happened just the past weekend can i guess
0: you may guess you were made you were called into the diplomatic corps of the Vatican uh
1: i I can't comment on that situation right now
0: you um oh man what what else what are weird things that you could be doing mm-hmm. you've performed an exorcism
1: no have not done that one more guess
0: one more guess you got to remove up uh, the penalty of excommunication on someone?
1: Uh, could I tell you if I could do that? Because doesn't that happen in confession?
0: Know. I have no idea. Okay, no. Not no, always. No, I don't think I always know. I don't think always. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, my brain is not all there right now, to be honest. So those are the, right. those are no, the those weird were, examples. Those are like, no, three <laughs>
1: terrible guesses, and you should be yep. ashamed and feel bad about it. No, yep. the thing I got to do was I got to preach somebody's first mass. Oh, awesome. So we had our ordinations just uh, this past weekend, and one of the new... Uh, Priests in our diocese had asked me to preach his first mass. So if you're unaware of this tradition, it's uh the idea is that you know you're you're praying your first mass and you really want to focus on the rubrics and saying the mass right. Because like your sure can... hands
0: are in the right position.
1: Exactly. And like you can go to Mass for like 20 years, and as soon as it's your turn to say it for the first time, you can get all kinds of shaky and nervous, right? So a lot yeah. of times, uh the newly ordained will ask somebody else to preach the first mass. And it's a little bit of a tradition. And uh, some people do it, some people don't. You know, I preach my first mass because I was getting, you know, family that probably wouldn't see me again or hear me preach again. So I, I preach mine. But it's, uh, it's a thing that happens. And it's kind of cool. And so this is how it happened. It was like a few weeks beforehand. And uh, Matthew Hawkins, he's, a, he's our new priest, he comes up to me and he says, Hey, do you want to preach my mass of Thanksgiving when I come back to this parish? So, at my parish, he has uh, spent his pastoral year and a lot of his deacon year. So, he's going to have right. a, a mass of Thanksgiving later on. And I said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'm okay with preaching that, but it's kind of like your last chance to say something to these people that you've ministered to for the last like two years. And he goes, oh, I thought that was a tradition. I said, not, not really. The tradition is more about your first mass, that mass you say the weekend you're ordained. And he mm-hmm. goes, oh, okay. Do you want to do that? And I was flabbergasted. So- so, question? Yes.
0: How he he wasn't aware of the tradition, right? Seminarians usually obsess over this stuff. Well, no, he's an older guy, uh, uh, okay. a later vocation, so, so he, he's he, normal and cool and chill.
1: He's actually normal, cool, and chill, right? He's not like super, <laughs> you know, like oh, I get not to do the things. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, That's what a seminarian sounds like. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I love you. Uh, so, gotta so, give my here, mom the man. But here's man- the thing. Man- I wasn't sure if he made a mistake, right? Right. Because, like, does he realize what he asked me? And I was waiting for him to call me and say, hey, uh, sorry, I made a mistake. I didn't realize what this was. I'm going to ask this older, wiser priest to do it. He didn't do that. (laughs) And then he told me when the Mass was going to be. And I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. And it was super cool. It was a great honor. Like I said, I was just flabbergasted by this. And uh, I have not felt that nervous about preaching since I was like first ordained, since like my first yeah. homily, maybe even as a deacon, uh, mm-hmm. because like I, I'm pretty good at preaching, I knew what I had to say was good, but like part of my brain was like, But is it good enough for a first mass? But anyway, I preached my thing, it was good, not terribly long, but what good. Was your I was theme? happy with it, it was nice. So, what was your central theme? Uh, I placed his ordination within the story of the Kerygma. So the gist of it was, you know, the reason for creation, the reason for Israel, the reason for the cross, the reason for the church, the reason for his ordination is all the same reason and that is God's love for us. And then I did a little nice. little bit of just um, call to holiness that, you know, you can be whatever kind of priest you want. Uh, you can be a very competent priest and people will, will accept that, but God wants you to be a holy priest. And as terrifying as the responsibility of being a priest is,
0: you have nothing to fear because your God yep. loves you and he's with you. Yeah.
1: So that was nice. the gist of it. That's the two-minute version or the nice. thirty-second
0: version. Yeah. You want else? You want? You want to know what else is short? What else is
1: short? Tweets. Tweets tend to be short, unless you're one of those sumo. terrible people that does threads. Who does that? Dorks write threads.
0: Big old nerds. <laughs> I can't deny that. <laughs> <laughs> However, yes. you just called out Father Matt Fish, and he's going to beat you up now. He, so, Matt Fish, Father Matt Fish is, can beat me up,
1: has a great mustache, and is also a huge dork. All these things can, it's right. a Venn diagram. But he's now going to beat him. you up. Yeah, no, I deserve it. It's about time someone beats me up. It's
0: a long time coming. Anyways, let's go into the Summa tweetologica
1: Summa tweet Summa tweet
0: the Summa theologica was Saint Thomas Aquinas's summary of theology and the Summa tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter and the first one comes from Tommy Ty the GH at the GH is silent and it's a quote from Tom father Tom Fogarty who's part of uh the Society of Saint Paul Pauline family if you will yeah we like this uh, yep and he says this a living of the family lifestyle accepting all of its challenges loss of sleep with infants loss of employment, difficult children, various illnesses, shortage of funds, unpleasant neighbors, grumpy spouses, is more than enough to produce a saint. I just love that for two reasons. A, because actually, I mean, in many ways, you could just put in, uh, is more than enough to make a saint out of a priest too. I mean, you have to change a few things in there, but right. it's 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 very similar, right? It's It's saying that those concrete, like we, we always look away from the concrete circumstances we're in, but I'm like, no, no, these are, this is the church. If the church is the body of Christ, you're getting a little, little taste of my book here. Okay. If the church is the body of Christ. Then those who are part of that body are the means through which Christ shows his love to us and purifies us with his cross. So all of these things, and this is, I I think in a way, like this is actually for me, actually this pop, idea just popped in my head. This starts to give a greater meaning, then, to why we baptize children. Go on. <laughs> even, in their, even in their infancy, they're molding their parents as ministers of Christ's love to them by calling them to great sacrifices, right? And so the whole church mediates Christ's purifying love, and that's enough to make you a saint. And so we don't need to look to all these great things and out there. You got a family? That is enough to make you a saint.
1: Yeah, I agree, because I think... I think the experience of a lot of a lot of parents at least from what they've told me is something like they just do their very best all the time and they always feel like they're failing, right? right. Because life is so complicated, kids are difficult, all this stuff is tough. And it's like, well, what did you think the journey of the spiritual life was going to be? Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, one experiencing your own weakness. It's um, like, there's plenty of crosses just all lying about, just like all the socks lying about in your house. There are crosses everywhere, everywhere, everywhere in in this, in your family life. And so enduring that, doing your best to bring it to God, doing your best to raise your children in the faith. Like, yeah, you're doing enough. And it feels like because of either the culture out there or because you're a good Catholic and you're reading saints books and you're like, oh no, I'm not levitating right now. Am I going to be, no, it's all garbage. Forget about that it's not garbage that's a bit of an exaggeration <laughs> I don't want to like you know you are not known for being hyperbolic ever I'm not saying like like uh, Cupertino was garbage because he levitated he was great okay big fan but the point Of course, of he's, Ital- to- he's
0: Italian he's Italian, he's
1: Italian. Right, right right so he's already you know halfway there to the Saint. um so uh yeah family life is meant to sac uh to sanctify us so chill try to do <laughs> yeah all your parents are saying just chill that's my great advice to you but yes I'm going to stop talking and say that family life is enough in itself to bring about sanctity. Yeah. So, just embrace it. Yep. What do you got? I've got... So, I'm a jerk. That's my preface to this, right? Uh, Not a big surprise, but I need to reiterate it because I'm reading a tweet from Father Ryan Hildebrand and I'm a big fan of Father Ryan. He's a good dude, smart guy, but I'm going to read a tweet that, that he expresses just a pure garbage opinion that's wrong and I'm going to... Make fun of him and the tweet on the podcast, because I'm not a good person, okay? Okay. All this being said- Again,
0: this is how the church purifies, (laughs) You are purifying him with your jerkish love. (laughs) So he tweets this, and he says,
1: I've never understood the crusade to eliminate praying the rosary during mass. Yes, people should unite themselves to the prayers of the liturgy. But if the liturgy reveals Christ, and if the rosary is a meditation on the life of Christ, where's the problem?" And this is a problem. So here's the thing, here's the thing. Uh, A short version of history is, in the old rite you had a lot of people who did not know the prayers, and especially before they had those little missalettes to follow along in, you're kind of there, present, and doing your best to spiritually unite yourself to what's going on in the liturgy, right? right? There can yep. be a participation, even if you're not saying the prayers. But the liturgy itself is kind of focused around uh, more so the actions of the priest, uh, and so. But there's still a desire to do something during this mass. So a lot of times people pray the rosary, and like Father Ryan says, you can see. I think John Paul II said that uh, the closest thing, the closest thing in the devotional life to the liturgy is the rosary, because the rosary, in a sense, is a liturgy. It's got form. It's got a pattern. It's got a rhythm to it, just like liturgy does. So it would make sense to pray the rosary during the extraordinary form. All that clicks makes sense. But like the whole point of the reforms uh, in the ordinary form of the mass is to have people unite themselves with the prayers that's going on in the mass. And so if you're praying the rosary during the ordinary form, it's like you're separating yourself from the community. You're separating Mm -hmm. yourself from the prayer of the community gathered there and doing your own uh, personal prayer. And that's different than the little bits of pious prayer that enter in the mass. So a lot of people like interiorly will say my Lord and my God three times when the priest raises um, the host, right? That's a personal Mm -hmm. piety thing. but That's not one that interrupts or in a visible way breaks what's happening in the liturgy. To pray a formal prayer, which the rosary is, uh, in the middle of another formal prayer, in a higher formal prayer, which is a liturgy, is really missing the points. So I'm really against not the rosary and not even praying the rosary in the extraordinary form, but praying it during the ordinary form
0: does makes absolutely no sense to me. Father Anthony, yes, thank you for coming to my side and, um, like me, hating the true devotion to Mary.
1: No, no, don't you start! <laughs> don't you start with this. Which I actually don't, folks. I don't. I don't. I just we've both done the true devotion and we're both like it very much. You just don't like Mary, and that's it gross how dare you do this
0: to me except that I deserve it you totally deserve it mm-hmm. uh but I actually also agree with you of I course just, you do because uh, I'm right you are right I think uh, I now because yeah the the whole point of liturgical prayer is by its nature not individualistic mm-hmm. and I think we've done a disservice I think part of part of the issues in the liturgy wars in the last 50 years plus really has been in like it's we're still actually functioning I think Part of the liturgical renewal's point was to rediscover the social nature of the church and of, Christ- uh, of liturgical prayer. It is not an individual, pietistic form. There are places and points in the liturgy for personal prayer. Mm-hmm. Right after receiving communion is a time of personal prayer because the Lord has given Himself to you to incorporate you into the church, and so it's a time of prayer to like open your heart to be drawn into that communion. So it's personal. It's all, but it's still also communal. Okay. And the rosary itself too can yes be a communal prayer, but that is something we say together at the same time. Not what you know Joe Smith is saying the rosary at his speed and and Anne and Jones over there is is praying the rosary at her speed. That becomes an individual form of piety. Good thing, not for the liturgy. Mm-hmm. It and he like but where Father Ryan has a point though, and I think he's right, is that the rosary, if it's meant to mediate The mysteries of Christ to us, through through Mary, it can really focus us on on that. And actually, um, the documents from the Vatican Council, or from not Vatican Council, sorry, from Vatican on devotion on devotions in the life of the Church, really actually makes a strong distinction between devotional prayer Mm -hmm. and liturgical prayer. Devotional prayer ought to lead us to the liturgy, and be rooted in it. That the liturgy, if our devotions are are, th- are allowing for kind of excesses in, in liturgical prayer or, or getting away from the heart of liturgical prayer, then the devotion itself needs to be reformed. Mm. Um, so the rosary, though, is not that. It, but it's meant to point us. So maybe it's something we pray before Mass or after Mass, but it really it really get, cuts against um, what is, I would say, one of the greatest rediscoveries of the last 50 years in liturgical studies is this social nature of of the liturgy and we can't interrupt that Mm -hmm. we gotta embrace that and and because what happens to then is that it forms us in a spiritual narcissism and individualism that actually undermines the fruit of the liturgy
1: everybody who prays in the liturgy or has a role as a minister in the liturgy is sacrificing something you do sacrifice some of your personal prayer or if Mm -hmm. you're you know altar server you're sacrificing some of your personal prayer because you have a job to do right But that's part of what the liturgy is, is entering into the sacrifice of Christ as well. I will say one thing. I'm against a crusade against removing... So, like, if Miss McGillicuddy, who is a holy soul, and she's like 80 years old, and she's been praying the rosary at the mass since before Vatican II, I'm not going to tell her not to pray the rosary, okay? Right. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let her pray her rosary and let her do her thing. But I think it's wrong to encourage or teach people to do this. I think that's where you have some pastoral flexibility. I'm never going to tell, you know, some old lady did not pray the rosary during the mass. But when I teach the liturgy, I teach that you should pray it the way it's meant to be prayed.
0: Yeah. Amen. So this is from Bill McCormick, SJ, at SJ. And it's a quote from Father Adolfo Nicholas, SJ. It took me many years of struggle and failure to realize that my real distraction was in my life, not in my prayer. I thought, wow, that is a... That is a very insightful tweet And a very beautiful tweet And I, I want to kind of Because like we were talking Especially like during lockdowns and stuff We're talking a lot about contemplation And the importance of contemplative prayer And listening and stuff like that And how like it's important to slow down Now I don't know about you Father Anthony But I found the last month to be like The polar opposite mm-hmm. Where it's been just go 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 Busy 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 yeah, And I feel like A, we maybe haven't learned our lesson i I mean like listen part of it is we gotta there's a lot of organizational stuff to do around opening up and that's 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 first communions,
1: confirmations how like do we do this we want to open up but there's so many restrictions and it's a lot to do
0: but i i was like i was actually pondering it the other day i was like man my my prayer life is not what it used to be during the pandemic, and that I didn't, I haven't been able to focus, and I and I kind of made a resolution coming out of it, how I wanted to make prayer more central in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't good. So reading that quote, I think like that that's what I I hear it kind of getting at is that life becomes the distraction, that the things we do become a distraction that point that move us away from seeking the heart of God in prayer, mm-hmm. right? And and we gotta. And there's a point too, like, yeah, like distractions happen in prayer, but those distractions often happen because our heart is distracted by the things of life that ought not to be distracting us. And so it's like reorienting prayer as a primal place. And that's hard to do, Mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes it's like when I get up in the morning, I I hate mornings. I suck at them. (laughs) I don't like them at all. And yet that is the best time to pray. And there have been days where I haven't made that my first choice since we have reopened. I don't like that. You know, I I say, you know, I'm vulnerable enough. I recognize, listen, we're all growing in our Christian faith here and we priests are trying to grow too and because we love the Lord, we really do. Mm -hmm. But sin is at work in us too and wants (laughs) us to resist God. Just because we're priests doesn't mean the the reign of sin isn't trying to draw us away from God. Yeah. uh, Fulton Sheen talks about this in a kind of beautiful
1: way, talking about a priest's Simon nature and a priest's Peter nature. And He's mm-hmm. using some poetic language there, but we both have you know, the spirit of Simon and the spirit of Peter within us, and they, they war against each other, which is kind of like a priestly way of applying uh, what St. Paul says, you know, I, d- I do what I don't want to do and all that.
0: I don't um, do what I do want to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm glad you brought this up, because I was literally just thinking about this during my holy hour this morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have become a morning holy hour guy, and it's been very, very good. And I say that, like, a lot of times. Uh, 80% of the time in the morning, the first 40 minutes of my prayer is my mushy brain staring at the host and me sipping coffee. That's about all that's going on on my part during prayer. But I have noticed uh, since I've been doing this more consistently than I have really ever in my priesthood, Mm -hmm. uh, just new energy in my preaching, in my spiritual direction, in confession, and everything. And the Lord kind of gave me an insight this morning that every dark period of my life, was dark because I was not praying. Yeah. Like, and, I, and there's proof of that because there were times in seminary where things were uh, outwardly very dark but mm-hmm. the Lord was showing me these moments of grace and light when I was praying through them, right? Yeah. And it was just like this really big revelation to me that like the exterior problems in my life, and some of them have been great, some of them have been, have been very great and dark, but that's never been the problem. The problem mm-hmm. has always been when I abandoned prayer.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I think I think people should just get used to us talking about prayer a lot. Well, because I, I, think, it, I think... I don't think... I mean, they're listening to two Catholic priests. They're not going to be upset well, when we talk about prayer. Well, no, no, exactly. <laughs> but I think I think you and I are both kind of going through an experience and an encounter in prayer that's transforming us in a good way. Mm-hmm. And it, it involves ups and downs, right? And, and it's going to be different for each of us. But I think... Um, I think the Lord's really trying to work something in our hearts, which is a good thing to draw us closer to Himself, so that we can help maybe draw others closer to God uh, through their own prayer. Yeah, uh, prayer is the heart of the Christian life, and I think you and I are both just really realizing that in a deep way. <laughs> well, and... here's the thing:
1: we're, we're not baby priests anymore, but we're kind right. of toddler priests. Yeah. Um, like you've been ordained what yeah. five years now?
0: Five years, yeah. And
1: I just got done with four years, so it yeah. makes sense that. Uh, yeah, and I think I am very. One of the most encouraging things for me when I was a seminarian was that there was a priest in my diocese uh, who I saw, who worked a little bit in seminary formation and then went on to do other things in the diocese. And I was able, through my friendship with him, to see him grow as a priest. And that gave me great hope that the journey continues, that I don't have to be perfect when I'm ordained, God's going to
0: still keep exactly. working on me, right? Exactly. It's finally very encouraging. Yeah. Okay. All right, what you got?
1: I've got a tweet from Progress Bar 2020. And it's just an image of a bar, and it says that 2020 is 49% complete. Uh Uh-huh. And this hurt my brain. So we're about halfway through 2020. Yep. And I just feel at the same time that the year just started and has been also an eternity. It has been forever. And there's something about... I'm just kind of waiting for like the middle of next year. My great hope is that by the middle of next year, by this time next year, hopefully we've got the virus thing under control in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. I think that's been a major that's been like the catalyst, the energy that has that has been doing a lot of things uh, in our world right now. And I'm just in a worldly sense my my worldly hope which is not as important as the christian hope is that i'm just really hoping that by this time next year things are normal question mark
0: i'm going to i'm not one to play the pessimist you're going to crush my dreams this is good dreams should be crushed i don't i don't know if i want to i just i not want to play <laughs> i just more just want to i don't know just the Harrison, tear you things, down things can always get worse <laughs> Well things actually go back to normal.
1: Well, here okay, so normal is a very unhelpful word. Right. My hope is that
0: things will settle down a little bit. Like you're hoping that we can shake hands again.
1: Yeah. That'd be nice. That'd be nice to preach to people and not to eyeballs with masks, you know. That'd be nice. Yep. Um not or not to a camera. Right, not to a camera. That'd be that'd be great, you know? To just like open churches and have people come to church, you know.
0: To be right. in a confessional again, that'd be nice. Yeah. Right. That's, I think, okay, that's fair. I can I can see that. I just, I do have my reservations that this is a, we are in a historical moment, and so we actually have no clue what's, what's to come.
1: That's probably absolutely true.
0: But that's more in like larger societal sense, right? But I have we,
1: decided that I'm going, something about quantifying time and having us be halfway done is like, hey, we're halfway done
0: we can do this right and magically okay. magically
1: 2021 everything yeah, will be okay say,
0: this is the other thing this is all just arbitrary times and dates yeah it, it makes yeah it's like january it's not like january 1st is going to come along and, and suddenly life is going to be better
1: You're absolutely right, but I'm just going to keep coping with this and the progress bar 2020. You can
0: continue to be an ostrich Mm -hmm. who puts their head in the sand.
1: Right in the sand. It's nice. It's cool. My (laughs) neck won't get sunburned because it'll be buried down in there, you know?
0: (sighs) Oh, that was so hopeful. Was it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually, I mean, deep down, I'm a person of hope. I was just kind of playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's true. Because we have to make sure that our worldly hopes are never what we're hanging exactly song. yeah yeah exactly exactly well let's uh let's head into uh presbyteral exhortations
1: and now it is time for presbyteral exhortations oh yes, yes. quite good quite good Indubitably, <laughs> i bet they can't wait to learn, gonna learn <laughs> <the one>. it's <laughs> my favorite part oh, it's <laughs> the best part <laughs> Yes, yes quite. quite yes right
0: quite. All right. Uh, so father I, I talked with Father Anthony earlier. I said you're going to have to keep me grounded because I'm ready to I was tweeting last night a lot.
1: Right? Cuz <laughs> you're so <laughs> tired of writing your book, but tweets, mmm, delicious. It's like you had to eat a whole meal, but now you can eat candy. And tweets are the candy. And you're like, "I'm oh, <laughs> I'm." <said, nom>,
0: <laughs> well, I need to pro as we all know, I process by writing or externalizing my thoughts out there and stuff like that. And so um and yeah, as you said, uh, now that I'm done with my book, I can get back to my true passion, which is tweeting. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Um, I even have notes today. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was on Facebook last night, which I barely use, but I was on it and I saw an ad. Now, before I need to preface all of this with a few caveats, okay? What I'm about to say is not. Um, meant to be a universal critique of everyone in kind of public ministry. Okay. Uh What I'm about to say is even if you do these things that you're a bad person or something like that, because we often do things unthinkingly. It's not bad. It's just we don't maybe recognize how we might be actually interfering with proclaiming the gospel when we think we're actually proclaiming it. Right. So I just want to, that's important to preface these things because we, we get we get wound up very easily and, and, and stuff. And so I need to make that preface.
1: Okay. So, you made the preface. Now give your devastating first sentence because I feel it coming. <laughs> where you just cast, cast the I, money
0: from their thrones. I saw an ad on Facebook for a Catholic speaker. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And these are some of the qualities of the image that I noticed. It was perfectly lit, and perfectly hued, mm-hmm. and perfectly photoshopped. The hair was perfectly quaffed. Ooh, the teeth were glistening. Mm. Not a single blemish was on their face. Hence, meaning photoshopped. Because mm-hmm. everyone's got a blemish.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And the talks that were being promoted, I'm not going to out this person or anything because I don't want to, because I, I don't, you know, I think, I, th- I really do believe, I think a lot of people do these things wholeheartedly and, and with a good desire, okay? So uh, it's, but the talks were all about how to find happiness in this life, that God wants to give you your heart's desire, that you, mm-hmm. that God wants you to live a blessed or best life, mm-hmm. okay? And when we see this, we, we, it, it, we, we see it, it's attractive, right? Sure. Pretty
1: people talking about pretty things that make me feel pretty.
0: And it, it, it brings about something in us. I might, I might want to be like the person in the image, right? I might want what they have. Like, look at that perfect smile. They must be so happy. I want that happiness, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, and who doesn't want happiness? Who doesn't want a life of peace? Okay. But what I want to do today, so I'm going to forewarn everyone, we're going to get philosophical today. I can't help it. That's where my brain is at with it right now. I really struggle with this form of advertising.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think what we don't realize is that it actually undermines rather than builds up the Christian proclamation. Okay? Now I'm going to, so I'm going to break it, I'm going to break it down on how I do this. And and I want to kind of give a little shout out quickly to Father Steve Gunrow from Word on Fire, because he was engaging with my tweets on Twitter today Mm -hmm. and and brought up some points that actually brought this into a deeper level than I was initially, I was going to talk just about kind of aesthetics and the cross and Christian ministry and how those kind of relate together. But he helped me see that there's a deeper point behind all this that I want to kind of tease out and bring into discussion. Um, but before I go further, just maybe, Father Anthony, like, like, what is your kind of gut? Give me, give me the gut.
1: Yes. Okay. Tell so, me
0: <laughs> what what do you honestly experience when you see these things. Because well, you know what I'm talking about, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think everyone has seen advertisements or like things like this before. You know, if you're in the Christian bubble, and I think the the great problem is that so there there the thing is. There is some truth in those, those talks, right? Uh, how to find your happiness, how to be at peace, all these things. Like the Christian life does promise this, you know? Um, peace and joy and finding who you are, right. But the problem is how we talk about these things. And this is where it gets very tricky. Because we want to reach out to a culture. And on some level, we w- in order to reach out to a culture that is not our own, we have to use the language to a certain extent that they use so that they can hear us. But language is also very complicated, right? And if you're talking about Christian things in a worldly way, that can affect one's mind and one can turn the gospel into a self-help book. So that's one reaction, right? And so you end up watering down the gospel, making not what it is, you avoid the more difficult things because you're so interested in getting numbers and getting numbers of converts that you're afraid to preach Christ and him crucified, right? Mm -hmm. So to a certain extent, yeah, you can kind of like sneakily make this entrance. And this is a normal thing in ministry. Like it's good to have very low level entries, like a parish uh, event where it's just kind of like a hangout thing, right? It's a a space for people to gather. Like that's an okay thing to have. But we also know that there also have to be things that draw people deeper. The other gut reaction is it are... E, our, our society, our economy is not set up in a way that is beneficial to lay people who are professional Catholics. Because you need to be able to support likely a family, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're engage in capitalism, in a way, because you need to, because that's what our economy is based around, if you're going to do that, you kind of have to play by their rules. So your mm-hmm. advertising does have to be shiny. Your mm-hmm. words do have to be soothing. Because if mm-hmm. not, it's gonna be much harder to make money. And this is a very, very difficult tightrope for lay Catholic uh, speakers to walk. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of sympathy for this because it's mm-hmm. not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like any, any lay person who takes up the cross of doing public ministry
0: yeah.
1: needs to realize it's gonna be a really freaking heavy cross, yes. right? Um, yeah. If you do it right, if you do it with the heart of the gospel, it's going to be a very difficult thing to do. And I think very often there are speakers out there that are tempted because they want to provide, because they want to be successful. You you fall into this kind of worldly ministry that it, that betrays the gospel. Yeah. That's what's in my gut.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, like I would almost, one of the things I'm not going to go into as much as I initially meant to, but we have to make a distinction between like what I would kind of call beauty and glitz. Okay. Yeah. Right. Beauty attracts and it requires a kind of suffering to create it. Mm. Glitz is simple, cosmetic, um, cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I hate to say it, but I think that's a lot of the ways we kind of do our promotion. We do glitz. We actually don't do beauty. Beauty required, like an artist has to sacrifice. To make something, right? Glitz requires a few clicks on Photoshop, and you're done.
1: And I think the glitz also, so like in creating yeah. beauty, the one who's creating suffers. In creating glitz, the one who consumes suffers.
0: Yes. So yes. Yes. Exactly. So this is you're you're kind of leading me to my points here. So. Um, I think What I want to say is that I think the ways we promote Christian messaging, images, words, actions, lifestyles, is actually particularly postmodern, at least in the Western church, at least in North America. And therefore, I argue, actually interferes rather than aids the Christian proclamation. So this is where I'm, I'm going to get philosophical for a moment. Do it. Um, and I want to do—I want, want to base my criticism— in in a de- in that in a actually a really good thing like there is a hunger at the heart of this there is a hunger for communion so i want to do a kind of what i call like a phenomenology of loneliness
1: okay yeah
0: now phenomenology for those of you who don't know is like it's the study of phenomenon right so it doesn't look at the essence of things but looks at particular things in experience to help us understand the essence of things so it's kind of like looking
1: at the subjective in order to get at the objective? Is that yes, a fair way to say yeah,
0: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's meant to lead. It's, I, I would actually argue it's a very sacramental method. It looks at the particular to get to universal mm-hmm. and doesn't put them in competition with each other. So, and that the particular actually reveals the universal. So when we see kind of those glitzy, like you see the the perfectly laid out Bible with the perfectly uh with the perfect handwriting on a pad of your own meditations uh, of notes or whatever like that i call i, I would call that glitz mm-hmm. it's set up it's created it's it's self um it's self-made and so when we see these photos of perfection or here in messaging how to live your best life you know how to find happiness now i think it arouses two essential experiences Lacking, which leads to loneliness, and then longing. So when we see this stuff, you know, like hashtag blessed life, the picture perfect households with the white picket fences, those perfect smiles, the seemingly perfect family in a in a video or something like that. Or you know, or seeing, you know, a uh, picture of someone deep in prayer. Right. This creates a feeling in many. And these are often unthought experiences that we go through. These messages communicate something to us. Maybe, maybe we don't have great teeth. And, <laughs> and we see the white glitzen. Um, maybe lately, prayer has been really hard for us to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe economically, we're suffering as a family, and it's hard to pay the bills. Maybe we can't be happy. And this time when we see these perfections or these kind of icons of perfection through social media, it creates an experience of lacking, which in turn creates isolation and loneliness. They have something good. I don't have it. I don't have this. And that's a common, that's a common experience. In these moments and i would even say that this is this isn't just here this is just life in general right mm-hmm. it makes me think of advertising in general Like you see
1: the person with the cool phone and it's like oh man i don't have the cool phone like this is like how the world operates and how people make money
0: exactly and i think this is where i'm gonna go with this is that this is the church is at least the north american church has bought into this aesthetics mm-hmm. um but what this does then, this lack attaches itself to what we call like mimetic character of human being, of being human. Mimesis is a fancy Greek word to say, to mean imitation. hmm Okay. We, so we think that the... Yeah, go
1: ahead. So uh, when you see the happy person with the good teeth, you have a desire to mimic that. I want to be a happy person with good teeth.
0: Exactly. And so we think that the answer to the lack of lonely, lack and the loneliness we felt we must imitate those who have Mm. and it creates a desire and longing in us so like i said this is this is not just through the image this is this is a stronger larger phenomenological experience of being human right you see you see it in your neighbors or you see it in people at church but i think it's important to acknowledge this because it says like actions uh portrayals um, creating things to be a particular image communicates something to people and creates unthought feelings that we don't aren't are often critical of. I think like where part of what's at the heart of what I'm trying to say here is that the church, for whatever reason, stopped being critical of form. Interesting. Yes, um, we've, we 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 at least in North America we thought well, and and you hear this all the time. Well, I'm proclaiming Jesus Christ. What's wrong with I want to be attra- I want to reach those people who see the world through the lens of attraction and so therefore I'm it's the same content but it's a different form who cares form doesn't matter but I actually think I actually think that the cross is actually the critique of form okay the cross um, says actually no form communicates something mm-hmm. it, it, it 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 molds the contents and how it's delivered to people. Right. So if I were to call, if I were to say, Hey, father, Anthony, you're an idiot. True. Go on. The, The contents true. Yeah, absolutely. But what if I said, you know, Oh, father Anthony, you just said, you just said this thing about everyone's Italian. Yeah. You know, and I give five reasons why I think that's wrong. Can you you help explain that? I'm actually pretty much saying the same thing. You're wrong. (laughs) But the form, how I've shaped what I want to say, delivers it. And so the cross is really actually meant to be the shape of beauty. Okay. And... You don't see that in the way we advertise and not just advertise, but like the way we interact on social media and stuff like that. And so this, all of this, because we haven't been critical of form, has actually been perpetuating a kind of myth in people's experience. Okay. This takes on a, um, so this longing and this lacking and this, uh, and this loneliness, like I said, is always at work but it takes on a peculiar postmodern form in the dynamic of longing. So that's our second bit of phenomenology we're going to do here. Right. And it's here that I, what I'd say the consumerist aesthetics really take over the glitzy ads, not only create the feeling of a lack, but they promise to fulfill the longing. Mm -hmm. You don't have this. So it creates a distance. But if you buy this, you can actually find the communion you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So it creates both the problem and offers the solution.
1: Right. Okay. Um, I'm thinking that some people may be thinking, because a lot of people have heard this, you know, if you love the Lord and if you're pursuing holiness, people will find that attractive. And people will want what you have. How right. is something like that different than something that we're talking about, or or is it different? Like, is there is an attra- one more time? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. go ahead. Um, there is an attraction to the gospel. There is an attraction yes. to holiness, yes. right? And yes. like many people have been told, if you live out your life, you live a life of holiness and of love. People will want what you have, and what you have is Christ. Right? Is that different than what you're talking about?
0: Yeah, and I'm gonna get to that at the end. I'm gonna okay. say like, okay, what what do, what does authentic? What does the authentic building up look like? Um, but for now, I just want to kind of focus on on where I see the problem at least, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, you want you don't have this life that I have. But
1: you don't you, ha- you don't have the skinny jeans that I have. Yeah. You don't have all the bracelets. You don't have this cool guitar that I have. You don't even have this cool singing voice that I have.
0: But if you come to my six week series, Ooh, it can be yours too. Delicious. Right. And again, I don't, this is, a lot of this is unthought. Okay. Right.
1: People are doing their best.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. This is why I'm saying like, so I'm trying to, I have to, I feel like I really need to repeat this because we miss this sometimes because I'm analyzing the deeper things and because they're unthought so often doesn't mean the people who are doing it are doing bad things. Okay. I'm not creating, I'm not in a moral outrage over this, but I'm saying we need to, I want to try to invite deeper questions about Mm -hmm. all this. Okay.
1: And this should be the work of anyone who is in the of public ministry, yeah. priests, lay people. We need to be constantly examining ourselves and finding out where our hearts are and where these motivations are coming from. Yeah. So this is part of all of our job as right. ministers as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. So this is the heart of it because what it does, as I said, it creates, it, it promises a, a fulfillment by creating a distance. It it creates the problem so that it can sell you something. That's consumerism, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and, and again, look at, just look at ads. Um, if you, you don't have security with regards to your possessions in your house, but we can offer that to you with our house insurance. Right. We create the problem and the solution at the same time. Okay? That's how you sell stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think this is where, this is why I, I get very, I had to think about this for a while and it kind of just came to me the, yesterday and today. The reason I find this stuff so difficult is that It promises communion, but actually does the opposite. Okay. Both initially and continually, it actually separates rather than unifies. You don't build up communion by saying, by creating isolation and lack. That is not how you build up communion. That's actually antithetical to the Christian way. So this is where he, my critique of form kind of is starting to come in here. And so with that, but th- think about that for a second. That's anti-sacramental. Anti-sacramental, sacrament is meant to unify,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? That's the whole point of the sacraments. The sacraments draw us into Christ's life. It unifies us to him. And then we're, we're, we're using kind of ad blitzes to actually create a disunity, to sell a unity. And that's not good. That's anti-sacramental, and thus the tweets, the Instagram posts, the Facebook ads. I think actually, unintentionally, undermine the basic structure, Christian structure of sacramentality. It perpetuates loneliness in order to feed the consumerist machine. Every purchase and and like is at the same time a destruction of communion. Right, because here, this is the, we all know this doesn't just stop with the one program mm-hmm. right oh you want to go deeper well yeah actually here's another lack here is another thing you don't have and it just perpetuates because and and again because as you said earlier they need to feed their families and stuff and again again i'm going to say this a billion times i'm not saying this is done intentionally right this is not a bad thing that people are doing but just we need to really be asking these questions at this
1: you know it, it reminds me it's in a way that we turn ministry into a christian mlm where, because you see this what happens, like people like, will be what, selling. What
0: do you mean with an
1: L- MLM? Multi-level marketing. Um, you'll see this on Facebook, uh, that somebody, um, how do I do this shortly? Uh, the idea is not even just to sell the product, but to get someone else to sell the product for you. You're trying yeah. to get people into this program, promising them happiness, fulfillment, points, money, so that they will sell that program to someone else. And it becomes like, right. it's it's basically a pyramid scheme, right? But you yeah. you see this, it's also super evil and Masonic. But anyway, you see this in, in different Christian programs where people mm-hmm. become not a disciple of Christ, but a disciple of a certain program. Like you have to do, uh, let's just say, uh, the Omega program because it's the mm-hmm. best program out there. And mm-hmm. then people become, like there's a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of good stuff in the Ome- in Omega program. But then all of a sudden, they're not trying to draw you to Christ or even, you know... You know, less lever to the parish, like you have to do this. and they become spreaders of a gospel that is maybe related to Christ in some way, but is not Christ.
0: right. And so I you see and what it does then too, it it, it address it, it doesn't build up like what we talked about earlier with regards to liturgy as that social character of the church, for example, right. So it it individualizes faith and creates a spiritual narcissism. That only gets you reflect what's God speaking to you in your life, and it's but that's always the question, and that's and this is the weird thing. It, we, um, we've talked I think we've talked about this before. there's a difference between what we call like exegesis and eisegesis. exegesis is what does the text actually say? E- eisegesis is reading myself into the text. right I call it I'd say like the, what it does it creates a kind of spiritual eisegesis. What's the one, what's the one, what's the log in your eye that God wants to remove from your life? This, we've talked about this many times right. before, right? Cheap preaching. Um, but what it's doing then is it's actually saying like it's creating what I'd call like a postmodern Pelagianism. You're yeah. going to create, you're creating your own meeting of Christian life. The problem with this then though is that it's only your own meeting, the meaning isn't given. And so it actually continues to atomize and isolate you. <laughs> and so it's perpetuating this problem. And it perpetuates loneliness, and so we keep on, and the loneliness gets deeper and more existential and more angsty, and we get more reactive, and we start seeking, uh, we start seeking our our um fix to this loneliness through these things, and it j- but it keeps on making the circle bigger and bigger and yep, bigger. There's
1: always pictures of perfect people. There's exactly. always pictures of happiness, and that isn't that is not what we that that kind of happiness that. That's not something that we get
0: in this world. Yeah. So this is where this is. Where, so that's kind of what I see as the. That's my basic critique. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do we go forward with this? And this is where I think we can have. I know I kind of monologued, but um, I would love to have this. Can be where we can have more discussion. I hope, because like the heart of Christianity is not that we create our own meaning, right? That's that's very postmodern. Um, right. I determine my own gender. I I determine my. I determine this. I det- I'm the determiner. Right? We don't make our own bliss, right? The Christian gospel centered around the cross is fundamentally Eucharistic and sacramental. God in Christ lifts us up and unites us to Him through His total self gift. So by giving Himself away, He's able to draw all men to Himself and to lift us up. And thereby, God actually imbues meaning into our moment to lift us up. So, in other words, what the heart of a Christian communion is that instead of isolating, god brings communion by drawing us to himself and this is where I, this is where i think the cross is the judgment of various kind of aesthetic forms today the cross breaks the pattern like, this is also very Rene Girard, by mm-hmm. the way uh, the cross breaks the pattern of isolation lack and longing by entering into our isolation lack and longing on the cross so these places are redeemed and actually the starting point of communion But this can only begin in vulnerability.
1: See, yeah, because this is what Christ does. Christ doesn't say, look at me, the perfect person. Come follow me. Christ goes after people. He goes after them in the deepest way in the cross, going into their already darkness, going into what they already have, which is loneliness, and then lifting them out of that in that way. I like that so much.
0: Yes, and so that is... um, So, yeah, this really... I think this is... How does this look then? I think, like... Communion can only begin with vulnerability and dependence. Mm. It acknowledges because the, the thing is all these things that keep on trying to answer the problems of loneliness, lack, and longing is that these are actually three fundamental human experiences that actually acknowledge an actual reality. Yeah, we are longing, but it's for God. <laughs> yes, we do lack something. It's God. Yes, we are lonely because we haven't been brought into communion with God and all of humanity, and we have to actually acknowledge. I need this. So that's vulnerability. That's the first step to communion. And that's that's what and I mean this is the great bit of God's love is that actually God loves us so much that he becomes vulnerable himself. Yeah. in taking on our humanity he takes on the vulnerability in humanity through the incarnation he becomes vulnerable to this to the risk of death his side gets pierced he's totally open this is christian love this is the vulnerability that builds communion it says come Come to me. I give myself to you so that you can have life and you can have communion and you can no longer be isolated, atomized. You will no longer lack and you will no longer long because I am really with you because I actually enter into all those things that you think are are, are missing in your life. It's the place of the cross. And so this is where I think like our discussion of social media, of aesthetics, etc., that's where it ought to be rooted in in vulner, in, in like what i call like like kenosis right or, or vulnerability and this is what we ought to be forming in how we use social media how we cause guess what it's not bad to sell things mm-hmm. right but let's take like let's ask the question is this promoting the cross at this as the center i have a few more things to say but do you have any things to add there
1: Yeah, just uh, how to move forward is what I'm thinking of. And a great philosopher once said, don't hate the player, hate the game. (laughs) But I would say that two things need to be reformed: both the player and the game. Mm -hmm. And I think the player, if you will, in this extended metaphor, um, needs like, uh, sometimes I fear that if you're going to go into this kind of ministry, there needs to be a radical abandonment to providence. Because mm-hmm. like if you're gonna take the risk not to play the game, you have to radically abandon yourself to providence. And that's much easier said than done. That was the first thought. Second mm-hmm. thought is how can we as Christians change the game? How can we make this so people don't have to go to these different to- worldly tools and methods to spread the gospel? How can we support each other? Part of me thinks it needs to be more local, right? Um, Part of me thinks that, uh, or like, you know, um, I, I know a lot of people who are in, in in ministry do a lot of fundraising, and part of that I think is good because mm-hmm. you're reaching out to other Christians to support this ministry, which takes off the pressure from uh, making money through your gigs, right? So it's, that is a thing. But I think it's mm-hmm. it's a really entrenched and complicated problem. And the reason, is. And just to, you know, uh, reinforce all of your caveats about this. It's because we've been breathing this air since we were born. Exactly. And we need to become aware that what we've been breathing is toxic. Right. right. So I don't I'm not, think it's I, a I, simple yeah, I'm not answer. That,
0: yeah, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be lay, lay Catholic ministers out there. hmm I'm just saying maybe let's do it differently. Yeah. Right?
1: And that's like a whole other episode, I think. Though. Well, yeah.
0: Uh, actually, the idea that kind of goes through my mind, my gosh, imagine if there were like lay mendicant speakers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right Which is, ooh, I mean, like I said, ooh.
1: as far as like radical providence. Also, like, uh, man, the whole thing with like trying to support a family and bringing yeah. kids
0: through school and stuff. I, I, I don't have an easy answer for that. Right. This. No. No. Exactly. But the other thing is, like, so I'll give you an example of something I actually encountered the other day. Um, I hope he's not going to be embarrassed. That I'm going to mention him, but my right, a friend of mine from Australia, Matt Tan, sent me a little paper he wrote on um the Christ descent and and people suffering. And it was like, it was powerful. It wasn't just a theological reflection, but or sorry, it was a theological reflection, but it was theology in the deepest sense of the word. It came from, a, I could see in the, his writing, a deep spiritual life who cared for the other and had total charity. And in some ways, I think this should be the Christian form how we use social media which means we a we have to be okay with being vulnerable on how we we need to stop using like social media as like extensions so where we kind of create a self-image but actually like allow it to be a place where we incarnate ourself um because then it's like like my friend's paper then it we really if we really allow ourselves to kind of incarnate we become a light there because you what the only way you change the game is to become a saint it's only saints that change the game right saints are the the icons of beauty right yeah um and (laughs) there's so much more to say i know and i just want to i just want to just quickly say that um at the heart of this just recognize that in all of this there is a deep loneliness out there and so many people i know most a lot of people who are even listening to this podcast feel lonely and isolated and recognize that that's at play in your heart when you're seeking communion in different ways. It's it's Guess what? It's not impossible to seek communion through social media. I know we might think that but it actually is not impossible. We just need to change the game by becoming saints and allowing it. Yeah, there's a lot more saying we will do another episode but uh, because we have to go off and record our next episode. So cool so thanks everyone for listening uh please subscribe to us on itunes google play stitcher all those great places please leave a review and please tell your friends about the podcast because and tell your enemies too because jesus says you must love your enemies you can find me at fr harrison on twitter you can find me checking out t
1: spring.com slash stores slash clerically speaking podcast checking out the new
0: clerically speaking merch Speaking of uh, aesthetic hey, forms. Right? this is all for Nick hey, and Riley right now. <laughs> this is true. Uh, and then uh, you can um, contact the podcast at clericalpod on Twitter or email us at, at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. We will see you all next week. God bless.
1: Peace.